welcome to the first People Behind the Wheel podcast episode, brought to you by the Intelligent Transport podcast. My name is Halima Hutt. I'm the editorial assistant of Intelligent Transport and your host for today. Joining me for this episode is Lona Edwards-Hankins, CEO of the New Orleans Regional Transit Authority. Today, we'll embark on an insightful journey through Lona's remarkable career, delving into the challenges and experiences she's encountered in the ever-evolving world of transportation. It's fantastic to have you with us today, Lona. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for inviting me, Halima. Amazing. I'm really looking forward to learning more about how your journey within the transport industry has evolved over the years and also how your experiences have shaped your leadership approach at the New Orleans RTA. So let's get right into it. All right. Before we dive into the details, Lona, could you please provide our listeners with an overview of your role at the New Orleans Regional Transit Authority? So I'm really excited about this role here at the RTA. I have the unique opportunity to manage everything that comes with a legacy transit system and also help the agency transform into the transit agency of the future. The St. Charles line, our streetcar line, is very historic. The line has been running since 1835 and making it the oldest continuous operating streetcar line in the United States. This year, we're celebrating the 100th year anniversary of the introductory Pearly Thomas streetcar to the line this year. So that uh, streetcar was put out in 1923. One of the challenges with managing um, this historic line is attracting skilled workers to take over our aging workforce. Because the streetcar manufacturers discontinued the production of the streetcars in 1950s as the expansion of buses occurred in the United States, our local skilled craftsmen build and maintain the historic components of the streetcar, from building the seats, the mechanical components, the traction power system. It's all very unique to this agency and needs to be taught in-house over time. I'm also excited about our ADA accessibility initiative. We are looking forward to the future while we're maintaining the current uh, infrastructure that we have. You know, the St. Charles streetcar line as it's, you know, age of it, it has never really been upgraded to ADA accessibility. It's also a moving m- museum in that it's on the National Historic Register of Historic Places here in, in the United States. So in 2020, to start to make shifts towards accommodating ADA accessibility, we introduced the replica streetcar, the ones that run on our uh, two other lines, the the Canal Street line and the Riverfront line, we painted those cars green and put them on the St. Charles. We've started with three, and we're hope- hoping to expand that with the, in the future, as well as working with our city to make sure the sidewalk and street, the stop infrastructure can accommodate ADA accessibility. So it's a tricky, thin line of managing the historic flavor and modernizing at the same time. So that's one of the interesting um, challenges we have at this agency. We're also excited about our low-no conversion that we are planning. In 2024, we anticipate the first 100% electrical vehicle on our fixed route. And then we are anticipating another uh, 15 hybrid buses. We've received federal funding here in the United States. Our Federal Transit Authority awarded us a $71 million grant. And a strong portion of that dollar value will be utilized to retrofit our facilities to get ready for 
the changes that are required to maintain an electric fleet. And so that also includes workforce development. And then the bus rapid transit line is another initiative that we're introducing. New Orleans is one of seven major cities in the United States without a bus rapid transit line. So we see this as a critical piece of transit equity infrastructure that is needed. We can improve commute times from the furthest stops to the downtown core. And we're helping working families and workers who no longer can afford to live in the city. They now live on the outer edges of the city because that's where all of the affordable housing is. And we're going to be able to help them get to their jobs and education opportunities in a faster manner. Amazing. It's so nice to sort of get a bit of insight into the rich history behind New Orleans RTA. You've certainly got your hands full. So thank you for sharing all that information. It's really clear that you have such a significant but also challenging responsibility in just ensuring the city's public transit system runs smoothly and effectively. As we begin to explore your journey within the transport industry, Lona, I'm curious to know what inspired you to seek a career in this sector? So it was another opportunity to make an impact and change lives in the city and for the community that I love. Prior to joining the RTA, I worked at a consulting firm. I had been recruited from the Recovery School District of Louisiana, where I'd worked for the last 11 years managing the $2 billion school reconstruction program. It was the federal grant that we received because of disaster damages after Hurricane Katrina. And so I was able to do that work for 11 years. I was working at the private, in, at the private consulting firm because the city of New Orleans had just received, again, a $2 billion, another $2 billion uh, grant to manage their roads. And they wanted somebody with FEMA experience, somebody who could manage large programs. So they sought me out. In 2019, I began attending the RTA's meetings as a client relations, trying to seek further business for this firm. And I started understanding the challenges that the RTA was facing. Our governing board changed the direction of the management team in 2019. And at one point in time, the structure was a volunteer board managing a private contractor. And they decided to bring a portion of that management team in-house. And so they had just hired a new CEO. And I gave that CEO some free advice um, about what he needed in his organization. And of course, when you kind of give free advice, sometimes people actually take you up on it. And the rest is history. I'm, I'm, I'm here at the RTA. So it wasn't like I sought out the sought out public transit, but I saw it as a the right opportunity to make another huge impact in our city. That's amazing. It's as if public transport actually sought you out. It's really evident that your personal connection to the role of public transport in your community, but also your background have played really pivotal roles in shaping your career. Now, as we dig deeper into your role and experiences, could you please share some of the challenges you've encountered in the industry today and elaborate on the strategies you've employed to overcome them? So I think the most rewarding or unique thing about my leadership style is the ability to call a thing a thing. 
and then the reaction that is received once you say, this is the problem. And so I think I also thrive on solving complex problems that benefit our community. So I won't label it challenges. I label them opportunities. So as I have a degree in engineering, and so I am trained to solve problems and get to the root cause. And as an example, I inherited a very aging fleet. 40% of our current revenue fleet is at the end of its useful life. The FTA, the Federal Transit Authority here, administration here in the United States says um, basically buses can live for 12 years. Um, The bulk of our buses were purchased immediately after Hurricane Katrina. So 40% of our buses were purchased between 2008 and 2010. And then there was no investment in our fleet again until 2017. So we are scrambling. We're scrambling to not only replace our vehicles, but also the shortage of manpowers. And we put in some real specific tactical moves to solve the fleet problem. So in 2019, the agency bought 60 fixed route buses, 21 para uh, transit lifts, uh, vehicles and three flex vehicles, and all of that was awarded by a federal grant. We just placed another order on 21 hybrid vehicles that, and ut- that's utilizing the last bit of our federal uh, COVID relief dollars. And then we have another 16 fixed route buses and paratransit, uh, 12 paratransit vehicles that we're procure- procuring with a combination of um, smaller grants from both uh, from federal sources. And then I mentioned earlier that we had been awarded uh, the $71 million low no emissions grants. So that'll allow us to purchase 23 electric vehicles. But that manufacturing takes 12 to 24 months. So we are working on addressing the fleet issues, but we're also looking at the issues related to workforce and recruiting mechanics. So, you know, like many transit agencies across the United States, we are having a workforce shortage with trying to find mechanics. We've done a couple of things. You know, we're improving our uh, procedure for ordering parts. We are retraining our current mechanics so that they can be better diagnosticians and improving their skills. But the other thing, we're recruiting mechanics, we're retraining our mechanics, and we're creating a pipeline, working with our institutions to create a pipeline uh, such that we can attract mechanics as they graduate from apprenticeship programs at our community colleges and at our high schools that may specialize in auto mechanics. But the other thing we've done that I'm really excited about is that uh, we're bringing in traveling mechanics to help fill that gap. So much like nurses in uh, that travel, there's a whole cadre of mechanics who are willing to travel to help agencies like ours um, solve their problems. So uh, I have a pretty innovative interim chief asset manager who found this traveling mechanic situation and brought it to our board and the rest is history. So I'm pretty excited about, um, I love solving complex, complicated problems and not just putting a Band-Aid on it, but trying to get at the root of the problem and working to fix it, fix it right the first time. 
That's amazing. I really love your philosophy. It's something I'll definitely be taking away with me today. They're no longer challenges for me, but opportunities. And you've certainly got really innovative solutions to all those problems that you've sort of outlined. So thank you once again for providing us with such a detailed insight into that. Moving on, as the ancient Greek philosopher Plato once said in one of his works, things are not always what they seem. So, Lona, has a career in transport changed your perception of the industry as a whole? Yes. I mean, I wasn't, um, I didn't think much about public transportation before I got, I started going to the meetings. I wasn't a consumer of transit and I really hadn't used it since I was in high school. But I see transportation as a public transit as a critical public good, a critical necessity, very similar to how people view emergency response people. So the emergency medical transportation, the EMTs or the firemen or police. A gentleman showed up at one of the board meetings back in 2019 and said he was on probation and needed to get to his job, or if he didn't show up at his job, he would have to go back to prison. And uh, it it shook me to my core that something outside of his control, the ability to get to work would have this person locked up again. And at that moment, I knew we had to do better as a city. So when, again, the opportunity came, I um, jumped at it. When I think about public transit and the role it plays in our most vulnerable commuters, the worker who has to get to work, the worker who may be working three jobs to put food on their table. And if we can just get our buses running on time and even potentially, you know, more efficient such that we can save them 15 minutes in their day, then mom can do a whole lot with that 15 minutes. Mom can take her child to the park and playground after school. She can read to her child, be be home in time to read a bedtime story. She can take a Calgon bath and just wash her day away, right? And be there to guide them through those tumultuous teenage years and and prevent them, uh, children from making some of the most critical decisions, um, mistakes of their lives. So with us just doing our part, we can change lives. But we also know the benefits are well beyond just mom, the writer. There are benefits to the entire community. When in the United States, for every uh, public dollar invested, that's a $4 return on their investment. And, you know, we have been awarded and have plans for about $408 million worth of capital investment between our new downtown transit center that we're going to be building, the low emissions uh, fleet, our bus rapid transit. And we recently, you know, launched, um, opened our Canal Street ferry terminal. So that's about a $1.6 billion return on that investment for the community of New Orleans. So I really believe that if we can make a positive impact in our transit center, our city and our region will be able to recruit uh, and attract more economic development and more employers to this region. That's fantastic. It's so nice to see how just by working within the industry, it's transformed your perception of the transportation sector from 
a mere means of travel to a really powerful force for positive change within the community. As you've mentioned, it's a really vital piece of everyday life for many of the vulnerable members of our community. So it's just really encouraging to see the work that you're doing, but also New Orleans RTA is doing to just make sure that people are getting these essential services. Now, while I understand that selecting just three highlights might be quite challenging, I'm interested to hear about the top three defining moments of your career in the transportation industry so far. So I'll put them in categories for you. Competitive grants. Prior to my joining the agency, they had really uh, not sought many public competitive grants. Since I joined the agency in 2019, we have racked up about $160 million in competitive grants. And the BRT project is in the pipeline of the federal process. And we anticipate about a $250 million competitive grant from the federal government. Additionally, the Canal Street Ferry Terminal Project. When uh, I came on board, that project was at risk of losing our federal funding from our partners because our grants have an expiration date and we were almost beyond the expiration date of that grant. And so, you know, I jumped in with some leadership skills um, that I had learned and project management skills that I've learned throughout the course of my career and was able to right size and write write that ship such that that project could be delivered in a timely manner and we were able to open it without losing the federal dollars. And then regional connections. I'm really excited about the movements we are making into the surrounding parishes and becoming truly becoming regional. Um, one neighboring parish is Jefferson Parish, and we were able to last fall extend our routes further into their parishes, into that parish so that we can uh, get to a job center. Also, our partnership around, we introduced our new mobile app called La Pass. And now both agencies, the New Orleans Regional Transit Authority and the Jefferson Parish Transit System uses that. And so that app is now seamless to our riders because our riders often cover the cross boundaries. And so now they can just use one platform to ride either system. And there's now talks about, we have a regional day pass, but now we're looking at um, collaborating even further to uh, launch a regional monthly pass. So those are all things that are in the works. There's another parish, um, St. Bernard Parish, that has a really great community college that did not have a reliable transportation access from New Orleans. So again, as we did our system redesign last fall, we were able to go deeper into the parish this spring and it's helped us solve a problem we were having about where our buses were laying over and now they go all the way to the community college. And what excites me most about that community college is they offer two very specific programs in this region that other institutions Um, don't really offer. So they offer an aerospace um, two-year certification that will allow, we have, and inside of New Orleans Parish, we have the Mishu Space Center where they build components for for NASA. And so now we are creating a more robust pipeline 
for students who don't want to go to four-year institution to get a certification and to get to that workplace. So it makes for a healthier apprentice program in the future and just easier access for our young people to, to matriculate at the Nunez Community College. Additionally, Nunez also offers uh, some programs specifically for the manufacturing system, petrochemicals plants in particularly. Um, so they offer a process technician program and an instrument technician program. And, you know, I have touch points throughout my career in both of those industries, the aerospace industry and the, and the petrochemical industry. So to be able to provide a young person the access and opportunity to a real living wage in the United States is and in this region is really exciting for me. So it's another, again, another opportunity on how transit can change lives. It's so great to hear all the work that you're doing within the transit industry, but also just beyond that. Um, so thank you so much for just sharing those pivotal highlights. I'm sure that these defining moments have not only shaped your own journey, but have also had really meaningful impacts on the transportation landscape and the community in New Orleans. Reflecting on the future, I just wanted to ask you, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Five years is such a short and long period away. It's kind of tricky to even think about it. So I hope to still be here at the RTA, um, but I hope that our operations is more stabilized our fleet is at the right size and is moving more towards the energy efficient fleet, zero to low emission fleet that our community deserve, and that we are spending more time thinking about technologies and focused on continuous improvement. I look forward to knowing that the RTA will become the preferred mode of transportation for both our city's workforce and for our special events patrons, you know, that our system is designed such that when somebody wants to come in town for the Saints football game, they don't necessarily have to drive their car all the way into town and bike parking and all the things that comes with the special events that they can hop on a bus, relax, and just get to the event and have it a truly enjoyable experience. And then last but not least, I'm hoping to develop our agency as an incubator for talent, that we invest in our staff and create efficient work processes, that the industry wants to recruit them away, but they choose to stay because our location, our agency is a wonderful place to be and that they want to continue to work here. Amazing. Your vision for the future of public transportation in New Orleans is just really inspiring, but also forward thinking. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today, Lona. As we all know, transitioning into a new career path or embarking on your first job search can be a really daunting experience. With that in mind, Lona, what essential pieces of advice would you offer to individuals interested in pursuing a career in transportation? So first, I would suggest riding public transit so that you can really understand who you will be serving. Watch the mother with the stroller, the elderly, and those with mobility issues. That will broaden your perspective. Stay grounded in the need of the riders and focus on the future. And finally, I think transit is so broad that there's room for everyone. Yes, we need urban planners and engineers, 
but we also need folks who are skilled in marketing and finance and human resources. There are so many ways to make an impact in public transit and society as a, as, as a whole. I think we should be using more of our skills and superpowers for good. That's absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing those valuable pieces of advice for aspiring transportation professionals, Lona. I'm sure that these tips will provide just a really solid roadmap to navigate the dynamic field that transportation is, as you've mentioned. As we come to the end of the podcast episode today, I wanted to shift our focus to the theme of the future by asking you what you hope to see become more commonplace in the transport industry workforce. So I would be hopeful that public transit is valued as a job, just like any job in the private sector. Doctors and lawyers who are paid high and choose to work in a big firm, that they may actually, you know, choose to work in public transit. It's the same for engineers, that they may choose to work in public transit. I couldn't agree with you more, Lona. Thank you just for delving into that. Finally, as we conclude the podcast episode today, in an ideal world, what do you hope the future of public transport will look like? In an ideal world, like high quality public transportation can be the equalizer. So what could happen if transportation was so great that families could live on just one car? Imagine what could happen if every family all of a sudden had an extra $15,000 a year, essentially the cost of maintaining a car in the U.S., what could they do with that money? And what could happen to the environment if we were able to reduce the number of cars because people are choosing public transit? I don't know, Halima, if you've paid attention, but this heat wave across the southern United States this summer has been incredibly unbelievable how hot it has been. So the, so the less cars and more public transit that we can do in the U.S., we can just start to impact our environment in a positive way. And lastly, I would hope that public transit is viewed with the same value as every other form of public good, and we can move away from funding public transit on a per-rider basis, and we can start to fund public transit on the need and public good it is providing, much in the same way police and firemen are funded. No one ever funds a fire department by the number of fires they put out. So we have to start thinking about how we fund public transit in the United States. Brilliant. I really believe that your vision for the future of public transport will just really align with the aspirations that many people who are currently seeking to provide more accessible, sustainable and inclusive transportation systems have. Sadly, that is all that we have time for today. Lona, thank you so much for taking the time to join me for this episode and for providing us with a glimpse into your remarkable journey and vision for the future of transportation. Your expertise and passion are truly inspiring and I'm sure our listeners have found this conversation to be both enlightening and thought-provoking. We look forward to seeing how your work continues to shape the future of public transportation in New Orleans and beyond. Thank you once more for being a part of this discussion. Thank you for having me and come visit New Orleans. Before we go, a quick note to our listeners. I hope that you all enjoyed today's episode. If you're keen to hear more about the people shaping the world of transportation and the innovative solutions in this field, be sure to subscribe to our podcast for future episodes 
as we have plenty more exciting discussions in store for you. You can listen to every episode of our podcast, both past and future, on our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as any other platform that you usually listen on. On behalf of myself and Mona, thank you all for your time and for listening to us today. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.